0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, Check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe.
1: Golden Edge Podcast is sponsored by STN Sports from Station Casinos. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. Sign up today and get a new sign-up bonus of up to $50. What is up, everyone? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review-Journal talks about hockey. I, of course, am Ben Goetz, one of your RJ speed writers, on the line with my colleagues Dave Shane and Adam Hill, as always. Uh, I ask you this every week, guys, and I don't feel like much has changed, but I want to keep to the routine, so I'll, I'll do it anyway. Uh, how, how are you both doing? Adam, how are you?
2: Well... I don't mean to brag, Ben, but my beard is awesome right now. Ooh, and, big beard. And I know right. I know that's a shot at you directly. It didn't I didn't mean it to be except maybe a little uh but I'm I'm showing the world what a quarantine beard really should be, I feel like.
1: See, I this bounces off me right now because maybe this will be breaking news at the top of the podcast. I don't have a beard anymore. I am what? back to being clean. I am smooth. Well, did there. you? Did you ever? Hurtful one, <laughs> uh, two. Yeah, it was uh, unfortunate because uh, for you know listeners that don't know, the RJ is kind of putting together a, a draft show right now that Adam and I are involved in an NFL draft show, and so I thought I was going to have to be on camera in the near future and didn't want to look uh, as my girlfriend probably lovingly put it, homeless. so it it went away before we were going to do some test runs and then of course our test run ended up getting canceled and i'm just left here with a clean face looking like an idiot so that's my life uh dave how's your life
3: yeah i'm looking kind of homeless like i would have probably a hard time getting across the uh canadian border if uh if i had to travel (laughs) at this point (laughs) might run into some uh resistance there uh Definitely have a have a haircut that could that could be used right about now, that's for sure. But you know, we're making the best of it. So still shave still your the, head. Dave. You know what? The thoughts crossed my mind. The thought has crossed my mind.
2: That'd be great. I'm I'm waiting, Ben. I know you said you shaved uh, for our test run on TV. I'm waiting till the actual day. I'm gonna let this grow until I absolutely have to. Then I'm gonna make it happen.
1: I like it. Well, so that's our personal updates. We're going to quick spin through kind of an NHL update like we usually do off the top of the show. But like I got to mention, there's not that much going on this week. Everyone's just still kind of in wait and see mode. We didn't even get our like wild playoff scenario of the week yet to discuss because we've always had some, you know, crazy idea that someone's thrown out every week that we can the least bandy about. We don't even have that this week. Everyone is just kind of waiting and wondering and a decision on when or if the NHL is going to return this season. Probably isn't coming anytime soon. At the earliest, it would come at the end of this month. So instead, I thought we would play another game, just like last week we played, you know, pick your Golden Knights Ultimate Fighter. And of course, spoiler alert, the person you probably expected to win did win, but I still encourage you to listen to last week's podcast. I thought it was really fun. Um, So we're going to play a game of Would You Rather... Where with the help of Dave and Adam, I came up with 10 random Golden Knights scenarios and we're going to decide uh, which of two options we'd rather have. And I think it's going to be pretty fun. And yeah, we're going to dive right in. And other than that, just make sure to check out all our Golden Knights coverage at ReviewJournal.com. We're still putting out articles all the time. I just caught up with Golden Knights top prospect Peyton Krebs this past week. I also you know, put out three questions the Golden Knights are going to face if and when. They get back. So there's a ton of stuff there. Dave's got a ton of stuff this week, too, including a look at a Russian goaltender the Golden Knights might be interested in as a prospect. So uh, check all that out. But for right now, please listen along as we play uh, Would You Rather. So the rules are pretty simple for anyone who's, you know, I feel like being around a bonfire or just, you know, had a college drinking game with this before. I'm going to read a question. I'm going to give Dave and Adam Two options, and they're just going to decide which one they'd rather have. Pretty simple. And all of these are going to be Golden Knights related. And we're going to start off with a bang, which is, I think, the question, or at least the big debate around Golden Knights land before everything shut down. Who would you rather have start game one of a playoff series tomorrow? Uh, Mark andre Fleury or Robin Leonard? Adam, I'm going to start with you because I feel like I feel like you might have thoughts on this one.
2: Uh, I do. First of all, I think this might be the first ever sober game of Would You Rather, which is awesome. Uh, I'm enjoying that. Uh, but yeah, I think Robin Leonard was the guy that I would have picked when this whole thing happened. Like when when hockey went away, when sports went away, I thought Leonard was playing at an incredibly high level. I thought he had kind of infused uh, some some energy and uh, just a, a new uh, attitude into the team a little bit uh, with, you know, solidifying that goaltender position, even uh, when Marc Andre Fleury wasn't at his sharpest. Like Leonard was, for me, an easy choice at that time. I think now it's kind of shifted a little bit. Obviously, Fleury would be very well rested. Uh, the familiarity that Fleury has with the team, uh, I think, would be helpful. Uh, I actually think I'm leaning toward Fleury here. If we are going by game one when we pick things back up, I think I might be in Fleury's corner. Dave, what say
3: you? Well, all things being equal, and had Flurry not you know stumbled down the stretch or anything like that, he should and would have been the game one starter. And the reason I say that is, and not that Adam's wrong about Lander and giving him some life and and things, but I'm really big on like the messages that that coaches send when they make a change or or, or make a move like that. And yeah, you can flip flop, and yeah, we've talked about Holtby not starting you know, for the caps and and all things, you know, worked out fine there. But if you don't start Marc-Andre Fleury and we're all writing about it and the distraction that that creates at the start of a, you know, playoff series, I guess, if that's the scenario we're talking about, I'm not a big fan of that. So I think you start with Fleury and then if you have to go away from them, then, you know, it's easy to do so.
1: Yeah, I think what you're kind of both getting at is what I think is fascinating about this question. It's a, what they should do and versus what they will do, because I think, you know, Adam is right, is if you look at basically any, you know, underlying or advanced metric you can look at, it's got to tell you that Robin Leonard has performed better this season, obviously performed better last season than Marc-Andre 42 when he was a Vezina Trophy finalist. But that still doesn't mean he's the guy that the Knights are going to go with just because as Dave's kind of hitting at that built in trust factor with Marc-Andre Fleury that the Golden Knights already have. And the fact that I think there'd be a lot of quizzical looks in the locker room if, hey, we're not going with the guy that led us to the Stanley Cup final uh, year one. And of course, you know, didn't necessarily lose them this series against the Sharks last year, even though he didn't play great. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a fascinating conundrum.
2: But does it weigh into the decision which one it would be easier to switch to? Because I feel like it would be easier to go Leonard to Flurry than Flurry to Leonard. I don't know.
3: No, I think it'd be easier. Really I think class. it's easier to go the other way around. To be quite honest. Where you going, yeah. Dude? I mean, in in the sense yeah. of in the sense of that's what he was brought in for. That you know he was they said insurance basically they didn't feel. Right. You know, good at that spot. So, you know, I mean, yeah, it'd be, it'd be obviously easy to go to Flurry, but you know, just the scenario, I think, and and what you would have to come back from, and all the questions that they would have to answer, like that, I just don't think they can. I don't think they want to go through that. They could go through it the other way around. If Flurry struggles and you have to go to Lantern, that's an easy That's an easy question to answer. Not vice versa.
1: There we go. Let's move on to number two. Uh, what would you rather have next season? Alex Tuck or $4.75 million in cap space, which is, of course, the you know size of Alex Tuck's contract after a very down year for him this year. Dave, what say you? Tuck.
3: I mean, I, I, and I say that because you can find $4.75 million in cap space somewhere else, whether it's Stasny or other moves. I mean, they, they clearly showed they can... You know, sweep things out if if need be and clear some space. They did that last summer. I'm just not ready to give up on somebody who's what 23 years old, former first round pick, has shown on his track record that he's got 50 points and 20 goals in him. And you're not really overpaying for him if you get that. I mean, okay, it's been a little bit of a you know kind of a wash for this season. Sometimes that happens with younger players, whether it's injury or, you know, call it a sophomore slump or, you know, whatever you want to do with some some guys. I mean, you know, wasn't a great year. You acknowledge it, but I don't think you give up on him at this point.
2: Yeah, I still think it's I still think it's it's tuck. Um, cap space is obviously a commodity that you really want, and it's a valuable one for the Knights, but. Alex Tuck does have that talent. He showed it, and again, still just such a young player. Uh, I think you can, you can't make full excuses, but I think you can write off, hey, injuries, kind of bouncing around, playing with so many different guys. When he was healthy, even if he was, uh, he wasn't fully healthy, close to healthy. Uh, I, I just think that there's a lot of reasons why the production was off this year, and I would, I would rather have him and his potential than taking a shot at trying to find a way to spend that money.
1: It'll be really interesting to see how he ends up looking next season because it really does feel like that third line role has not suited him. But most of the time he's been playing there with Cody Eakin, who is, of course, now out of the picture. So I'm really curious how he would end up looking in a third line role if all of a sudden his center is Chandler Stevenson or maybe Cody Glass. That's a question that we're actually going to get to down the line here. But first, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our presenter. They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two-ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. All right, we're back playing Would You Rather Still with some Golden Knights questions. And my third question for the two of you, who would you rather have between Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone, William Carlson or Paul Stasby? We've seen both of these combinations. Both have been effective, um, but I'm curious if you had to pick how you want to construct kind of your lineup, which which way would you go, Adam?
2: I just I like the dynamic that Carlson uh, brings to this mix, and we know what Stastny can do, and I I think Stastny is a guy that you know he does he makes a lot of the right plays. We know what he can do as a passer; his vision is very impressive out there. Uh, but I, I just think that Carlson brings a dynamic to that line that's just different, and and it brings out I think a little bit even more of what those two guys can do. As much as the the comfort and fam- familiarity level is there. Uh, with Patrady and with Stasny uh I'm I'm going Carlson here.
3: So I had so much time on my hands and did no research on this. <laughs> and I should have I should have totally <laughs> looked up on you know like how Stasny did with Marchiso and uh Riley Smith as his wingers because I kind of see this as an issue or a debate of like balance basically. And I think if you're going to put Carlson between Patrady and Stone you're basically saying At that point, okay, we have a clear number one line that we're going to ride and and we're going to go with. And then there's a drop-off. Now, what I don't know and why I say I'm admitting I don't have the stats, I don't know how much of a drop-off there would be. Maybe Stasny's been really effective with those guys. I'd have to go back and look. Um, But it feels like if you're going to go with Carlson, you're you're maybe not as balanced, I guess. It feels a little more top-heavy. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, I liked the look of it. And I do think in the playoffs, if you're not going to have kind of a, a third line, grind line, you know, matchup nightmare type thing that you can throw out against other teams' top lines. If you're going to go basically best on best, you're not losing anything defensively. If anything, you're probably gaining, gaining the advantage defensively overall for your team when you've got Stone and Carlson and Pacioretty out there in a line that can match up with other teams you know, number one. So I'd probably lean to the Carlson one, but I I do like the notion of Stassi playing with Pacioretty and Stone because I think those two wingers are so good together that they can carry any center right now.
1: Oh yeah, totally. I agree. And I think we kind of saw that with Chandler Stevenson earlier in the year where Stevenson played so, so well between uh, Pacioretty and Stone. And I think Carlson's kind of the best, version of that combination where you've got a speed guy in the middle, a playmaker who's also really good defensively in Mark Stone, and then kind of your sniper in Max Pacurretti. I just love how those three guys, that being Carlson, Pacurretti and Stone can play off each other. And so whenever I think you have a chance to create one of the top lines in the NHL, which I think that is the potential to be, uh I say you do it. All right, we're going to go through uh, a couple more, these next two, I think we can buzz through really quickly and we'll do rapid fire because I just think they're interesting to kind of discuss. Uh, who do you guys want as your fourth C, your fourth line center, Tomas Nosek or Nicholas Waugh, Dave?
3: Waugh. I mean, I just think it. he he won the job basically. If it comes down to those two in the off season, like I, I pick Waugh. He's younger and I think he's better.
1: Yeah. And so that's essentially why that was included as a question, Tomas Nosek's. A UFA at the end of the year, Nicholas Waugh is an RFA, but I think it's just so easy to see, especially based on how Waugh played right before the break that they're going to retain him and probably let Nosik walk just because I think Wa proves that they're kind of good there. Uh, similarly, another kind of rapid fire one, Adam, who do you view as your number one defenseman if you're the Knights? Nate Schmidt or Shea Theodore?
2: I mean, Nate, Nate Schmidt has, I think, some of the the leadership qualities and uh, certainly the the skill set that you want. Uh, I just think Shea Theodore has established himself uh, as the man among the defensive core, and I think he's on the verge of of just stardom. Uh, and I I just feel like he's the guy as the number one defenseman back there.
1: See, it's really interesting because I think Shea Theodore is obviously emerging as this top tier offensive force and they found a really good compliment for him and Alec Martinez, who we're actually going to talk about a little bit next, but Nate Schmidt and Braden McNabb are still playing the hard minutes for the most part. So they're kind of the guys that are still taking on the top end defensive assignments, which allows Theodore to, of course, get better matchups. So I, I feel like they're almost in this symbiotic relationship in a way where what Nate Schmidt does allows Shea Theodore to do what he does. Does that make sense to you, Dave? Yeah,
3: I mean, I think it's almost how do you define a number one defenseman? You know, is it the guy that plays the most minutes and is like, quote unquote, your best defenseman? Because I think Shay Theodore is the best defenseman, but is your number one guy, the guy that you're going to put out there against the other team's best lines and try to be a shutdown guy? then that's probably more so Nate Schmidt, and that's the role that that he seems to have thrived in. So, you know, I mean, it's a little bit of, you know, nitpicking on just kind of how do you define, like, what is a number one defenseman? I mean, in some ways, I'm not sure it totally matters because they play kind of different roles. And I think until, you know, until Theodore becomes a guy who can play defensively the way that Schmidt does with the offense, which if he ever gets to that point, I mean, then you're talking potential Norris Trophy guy, you know, until it gets to that point, they're always going to kind of split the roles a little bit.
1: Right. And it's working for them right now. So why not do that? Uh, So speaking, as I briefly mentioned there, Alec Martinez, I think this is a really interesting one. This is my
3: favorite one. Which
1: would you, yeah. Which would you have rather had this season, Alec Martinez or Nikita Gusev? And so to quick set this up, of course, Gusev uh, was the Russian winger who kind of, was controversially traded this offseason to the New Jersey Devils. The Knights got back a second and a third round pick for him because they didn't want to pay him his contract demands, which ultimately he got a two-year $9 million contract, so $4.5 average annual value from the Devils. And then at the trade deadline, the Knights kind of used that capital, sent two second-round picks to the LA Kings for one-plus seasons of Alec Martinez, who costs $4 million a year, I mean, so it's really close to when you look at kind of assets an almost one for one swap of whether you get this kind of unproven Russian winger who had a pretty good year with the Devils. He had 44 points in 66 games. And despite kind of these defensive concerns that the Knights had, his five on five numbers compared to kind of the rest of the Devils were not that horrible when you look at kind of his shot attempts percentage, scoring chance percentage, all that stuff. Um, but they turned that into instead a veteran Defenseman who's kind of formed a really nice complimentary partner to Shea Theodore. He's obviously provided a little bit more offense than the Knights probably expected. And I think he's impressed me more with the skating than I was expecting too for a guy who's uh, 32 years old. Uh, Dave, since you love this question so much, what's your what's Yeah, your take I, on it?
3: I mean, I'm fascinated. There's so many different angles to this and like what to consider with it because – I think if you look at everything, like Gusev is probably on the third line, and if he plays the way he did in New Jersey, maybe he's got a little more offense. And then, you know, maybe we're not talking about the the Knights' third line in the same context that we have for the last like six months or so, and and what a hole it's been, and and how they finally seem to have fixed it with, you know, Cousins and Stevenson. But that's a totally different direction they went with it. Gusev is a clear scorer in things. I don't know how that would have changed them. I mean, if you're asking me this season. Going into like what would be, I guess, quote unquote, the playoffs after the restart, I would probably say Martinez to be quite honest, because I think they've made up for any scoring, probably, and whatever that Gusev would have given them throughout the season. I think Martinez improves them more on the blue line than probably Gusev would up front, I guess, if that makes sense. Just his shot blocking and his leadership, all the things that they kind of talked about. It's only been, what, like a handful of games, 10 games or something with him. But he's been everything that they, you know, that they built him up to be.
1: Yeah, Adam, I know you have to get going a little early here and Dave and I will finish up. But before you go, I do want to get your thoughts on this question.
2: Um, Yeah, first of all, I'll say Ben. Terrific, terrific job putting this together. I, I may have given you a hard time for some of your uh, choices in the past. This is just a tremendous job by you. And, and seriously, I do love this question uh, like Dave does. I think you, you have to also look at this and say, I thought Alec Martinez was a perfect addition for the postseason, but there was no postseason. So does does that make it so that – or there has not been yet. We don't know for sure. Uh, all of a sudden, you start like, thinking maybe it was Gusev because it's a long-term play instead of a you know a guy that that could really boost up uh, and help you in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which he has done in the past on some championship teams. That was the kind of experience I thought he was going to bring in. But uh, if you discount that part of this, I will say Alec Martinez because I think this was a team that was you know trying to build to win right now. This is a team who. You know, was in the Stanley Cup Finals just two years ago. They thought they were playing for the long term, but they really realized that they, uh, you know, had a chance to try to compete for titles. And Alec Martinez is the perfect guy to try to fit in there. So I think you have to go with Alec Martinez. Yeah,
1: thanks, Adam. And I, don't know, I really think this is a fascinating kind of sliding doors moment for the Golden Knights, where they really had an interesting kind of choice as to which direction they could go. But I think ultimately kind of the, the long-term play that they ended up doing, which I would argue is you get rid of Gusev in the summer, thinking that then you're going to use those assets at the trade deadline. I think it worked as about as well as they probably could have imagined it going. And of course, they even if they don't have the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, they theoretically have Martinez under contract for next year as well. Uh, well, change of plans, Adam can actually stick around, which is great, because I really like some of these next questions too. Uh, who would you rather have as uh, your three C next year? We already did fourth line center. Now I want to do third line center uh, Chandler Stevenson or Cody glass. I think this is like a sneaky question that uh, we should probably talk about a little bit. Uh, Dave, what, what does your kind of read on, you know, what the Knights can maybe expect from Cody glass next year, who obviously got injured towards the end of the season versus what they kind of surprisingly got. From Chandler Stevenson at center.
3: Okay. So my answer for this is Chandler Stevenson with the idea and the thinking that Cody glass is going to take over for Paul Stassi. I think Paul Stasley will not be on the team next year in this scenario and, and all of that. So in that regard, I would think, I guess, Cody Glass would be your, I guess, two C second center kind of quote unquote. And you figure out between him and Carlson where the best fit is. Personally, I think you would actually put Cody Glass between Pacioretty and Stone just because Glass has skated with Pacioretty so much in the preseason and things like that. They seem to have a little bit of chemistry that they would kind of develop through all of that, maybe that'd be the best place to start him. Obviously, you could put Carlson back between familiar linemates if that's the case. So with all of that being said, I would say Chandler Stevenson would then be your third center. I just don't think Cody Glass is suited in a, I guess, top nine role as much as he is like in a top six role. I think he kind of needs to be you know, with the better players and and give them a chance to really be, you know, kind of an offensive force and and not really, you know, trying to do third line type things, I guess.
1: Interesting swerve around the question, Dave, which I respect. <laughs> Adam, go ahead. What do you mean? I said to-
2: Stevenson. I said flat out Chandler Stevenson. <laughs> you're you're moving Cody Glass up. you're changing the whole premise. Uh, I don't like it, but it was a great answer. It's a great answer regardless. I, I don't like quarantine bearded Dave changing all of Ben's questions. That's not really fair. No, I'm kidding. Uh, listen, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Cody Glass on this one just because i I want to see in in this ideal world that we're kind of setting up of like this or that, I want to see Cody Glass settled into a role, being able to play in one spot, play center. Where he's comfortable and play with a couple of wings that are healthy and that are established and just try to find out exactly what he could be. So uh, I'm going to pick Cody Glass for this, just for that. I, I'd like to, in this pristine bubble that we're in, just say everybody stays healthy. Let's see what he can do on that third line, playing, um, you know, with a an established, uh, you know, pair of wings that they're all together and healthy and, and what what can they do?
1: Yes, yeah, so it is like the, the scenario, Dave. Laid out is pretty fascinating because Paul Stastny is an, would be an expiring contract heading into next season, uh, worth six and a half billion dollars in AAV. You do theoretically kind of have your spine of centers set up even without him, where you can go Carlson, Glass, Stevenson, and then Wah potentially with some kind of guys that can also play center mix throughout your lineup as well. So you can get by if you want to, you know, kind of do what we just talked about with Gusev, where maybe you trade Stasny for cap space and assets now, and then try to fill another hole on your team that's not center at the deadline. the course question with Stasny and kind of what is the question with talk earlier as to whether you would move him for cap space right now is who's going to have enough cap space to all of a sudden take on an additional six and a half million dollars next year. That's obviously a very open question in terms of what the salary structure is going to look like because of how much revenue the NHL is losing during the shutdown. So that's, we just have no idea at this point, but I like, I like where where Dave's head's at and what he's thinking there. Uh, Another choice that the Golden Knights are going to have to make kind of off season wise, free agency wise, uh, whenever the official off season happens, is who would you kind of rather have as your, you know, for lack of a better word, agitator, Uh, Ryan Reeves or Nick Cousins. And I asked that because, you know, they added Nick Cousins at the trade deadline. It seems pretty clear that they could easily kind of slide him into the agitator role because he's under control as an RFA, whereas Ryan Reeves is an unrestricted free agent. But at the same time, even though theoretically you're getting younger and kind of cheaper at that spot next year, I'm not actually sure how expensive Ryan Reeves will be in unrestricted free agency. He's making $2.75 million right now, but he clearly loves Las Vegas. He loves playing for the Golden Knights and he's, I mean, stated, I know Dave, you've wrote about it, that he wants to retire in uh, Las Vegas potentially. So I'm not sure that if they end up sitting down with Ryan Reese's agent, that he's going to ask for, you know, some exorbitant salary. So I think this is kind of a more interesting decision than maybe it is on its face. Adam, what's, what's your read on this situation?
2: Well, I mean, it's, I'm not picking against Ryan Reeves, so I'm going to say Ryan Reeves. Also, Las Vegas really is not is not ready to lose the beer. So I think it would be tough if Ryan Reeves were to move on. Uh, listen, everybody knows what they're going to get out of Ryan Reeves uh, as, as that guy. Nick Cousins, I think, filled a good role for uh, a short period of time here. Uh, after coming over and and he showed what he can do and I think he did a lot more uh, than maybe what was even expected of him I I think he showed a lot in his short time but I think Ryan Reeves fills his role and knows what his role is and understands it and fills it well about as well as any player uh, in any sport that I know of uh, that I've been around and he's so valuable in the locker room that I think you just almost have to make him the pick here Dave
1: what, what are your thoughts on this one? So
3: Ben does a fantastic job with this, as we've said, but this is the one question I have an issue with because I don't feel like, uh, it, well, no, no, no. It's the only reason I say that is because I don't think it's like an either or with these two. I feel like they, they do different things. And I feel like I'd want them both. Like I wouldn't want to choose between them because like, as much as Nick cousins is an agitator, he's not a fighter. and, and, Yes, the game's changed, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. Whether you need somebody that can actually drop gloves and fight the way that Ryan Reeves can, and I, Nick Cousins can't really do that. I keep hearing that you know William Carrier was like a cheaper, better version of of Ryan Reeves, and, and I don't necessarily agree with that either. But for me, I mean, I think you can figure out a way to keep them both. I think. If you're going to ask me, like, what is what does Ryan Reeves cost? I don't think it's going to be much. I, I if I'm him and his agent, I'm probably going to have to walk into that room and understand George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon paid him more over the last couple of years than he probably you know then he would have got he he basically got a three year contract wrapped into a two year deal, and so he that's why his AAV was higher, why his cap hit was higher. Was because they didn't want to give him the three years; they just squeezed it into a two-year deal. So, if that means that he's got to take a discount because he knew he got a little bit more up front, I think he's going to be willing to do it, especially here with the tax stuff, with you know the business and and knowing that he can prolong his career here. He's happy; he's in a good role. You know, I it seems like Pete DeBoer really actually likes what he brings to the team; that he's kind of his type of guy; that that he likes having. You know, sort of a rugged dude on the fourth line. I guess you could say, you know, that'll that'll make sure you know not too much, uh, not too much gets gets going. And if it does, that he's going to be right there in the in the middle of it. So I, I just, you know, I feel like the maybe it's just that agitator word. Maybe I don't I don't know what I'm stuck on, but it feels like I th- that there's a way to keep them both. That that you can have cousins on your third line, and and Ryan Reeves on your fourth line.
1: No, I think that's a totally fair point that you make. And I think what's interesting that you kind of hit on there is that it's certainly kind of a sport wide debate as to, okay, what place does fighting have in the game? Do we really need this kind of part of the sport in? And there's, you know, various opinions on that. But I think what is kind of clear is where the knights fall on that debate and that I think George McPhee has been pretty vocal of we value, you know, in that classic quote You know, the guy that keeps the flies off the honey, quote unquote, as I believe, you know what he said, that he does see a role for Ryan Reeves. And I think there is certainly an argument to be made that, especially in the playoffs, that you need a kind of guy like that on your team that's going to intimidate the opposition and going to kind of act as almost a deterrent for opposing teams going after your best players. so I, I think that's going to be fascinating. In the and,
3: and to be fair, I mean, what we've talked about, you know, for the last couple of years is Ryan Reeves has proved time and time again, that he's much more of, you know, just a fighter. You know, he's a guy that, he, that if you ask him, he knows exactly where he stands in terms of hits in the NHL stats and, and where he ranks and, and things like that. That's a big number for him. And and it's not just about the fighting. It's, you know, like you talked about, Ben, it's, it's the forechecking and the, in the physical nature of it. And, you know, to be fair to him, I don't think it's just about can you fight? I think it's he's proven to be a guy you know that you can have as a physical presence on the fourth line. I always think of the is is it matt martin in in New York? I mean, you go like look in the hit stats for the last like six, seven years. The guy is always in the top three, and he'll drop the gloves if he has to. But that's what he is. He's out there to go bang and, and do those things, and that's what Ryan Reeves at is, at the core really is. And and I just feel like to get to the question, Nick Cousins is maybe just a different player, I guess, in that regard.
1: Yeah, and then a quick wrap up your point, Dave. I mean, Ryan Reeves has played six hundred and forty nine NHL games, and you wrote a great story when he played his 500th last year, basically saying you don't get to that many games played by just being a fighter. So there's certainly more to him than that. All right. We got two more questions that I want to get to. Uh, Who would you rather have as a potential playoff opponent? If you're the Knights, the Nashville Predators or the Winnipeg Jets. And these are the two teams, because if you just go straight by the standings, when the pause happens, you, the Knights would play the Jets who have just, horrendous underlying numbers. If you look at, you know, scoring chance percentage, shot attempts percentage, but they have some really stud forwards and an absolute stud goaltender in Connor Hellebuck, where there's got to be at least the fear there that maybe they can kind of steal a series that way. Whereas if the NHL goes with points percentage, they would play the Nashville predators who are certainly better in terms of underlying numbers than the jets, but they've, haven't quite had the results all year. They've never quite put it together. It just feels, however you define, you know, quote-unquote, it, the Predators just don't seem to have it this year. They just seem worse than kind of the sum of their parts, and it just hasn't come together. So, Adam, if you're the Knights, which of these two teams would you,
2: in a theoretical first round, if and when it ever happens, which would you rather play? I mean, this is is a preposterous question because I would rather – if I'm a player in the NHL, I don't care how good the teams are. I'd rather be in Nashville than be in Winnipeg. And that's all I would care about if I was a player. I would, I would care about nothing else. Yeah, sure, I want to win. I'd rather go play in nice places. And if I'm the Knights, I'm thinking back to that game between Nashville and Winnipeg, that game seven two years ago when the Knights could have gone to Nashville. Instead, Winnipeg goes into Nashville, gets that game seven win. And then all, all of a sudden, uh, the Knights are stuck going to Winnipeg, although they did take care of business very quickly in that series. This is just an easy, I'd rather go to Nashville answer. I love that approach to the question. Dave, what's your approach? (laughs)
3: So, funny enough, like that's part of my answer too, because I actually think as a player, and if you're dealing with travel, and it's easier to get to Nashville than get to Winnipeg, you got to go through, you know, probably more hoops and who knows what time or just. You know, what are you going to do? Your your legs are going to get tight because you're sitting in the hotel with no internet or whatever. Oh, who was it that said that a few, <laughs> a few couple of years ago? Is that like Hurdle no, or somebody? No,
2: no Wi Fi. Yeah. No Wi Fi, no bathroom, like no running water, no electricity. It's just, it's just an awful, awful place.
3: <laughs> so, I mean, in that regard, yeah, I, I do think. You're happier. You feel better. You're going to Nashville. All right. You know, let's go. Let's, you know, let's see some catfish on the ice and not that the whiteout wouldn't get you riled up and, and what have you as a visiting player. But uh, there's also something to the goaltending that you brought up, Ben, because I think in, in a, in a short playoff series, and I know we were a little bit opposite in our Vesna trophy ballot when we kind of did that for the for the RJ and and I had two Karask but you know clearly hellebuck is is probably the favorite for for that award rightfully so and like you said you'd be fearful of what he could do in a short series and whether he could steal one two you know three or or, or an entire series for you or something like that I, I would feel more you know hesitant as a as an opposing team i guess Going against that, then like Rene and, you know, UC Soros, even though Soros has had some good success against the Knights, I, I, I'm kind of the same way in your boat, Ben, with with Nashville. It just doesn't feel like they ever really clicked. Like they, there's a lot of scary parts and Yossi's had a great season and they've got a lot of dangerous guys up front, but it just feel like, it doesn't feel like it clicked and it, and it feels like, if the goaltending is a little bit more of a question mark in Nashville, I'd, I'd want to go there.
1: Yeah, I was approaching it more from the the hardcore hockey angle, which is <laughs> you know, as you addressed Dave, uh, my pick for the Vesna Trophy right now, which uh, we don't get a vote the Pro Hockey Writers Association anyway. So I can just throw it out there was definitely Connor Hellebuck, and I would be worried, as Dave mentioned, what he could do in a short series, especially because we don't know when. Uh, you know, play returns. Are they going to have to shorten it to five game series because, you know, we're running out of time, stuff like that? Uh, what's the one thing about, you know, potentially going to Winnipeg, even though clearly you guys are both against it, is there are some fun storylines there in terms of there's a lot of Knights nice players from that area and uh, their coach, Paul Maurice, is just like real tight with Pete DeBoer. I mean, if you listen to a lot of Pete DeBoer's press conferences, you will see very clearly that uh, Paul Maurice is a guy that Pete DeVore leans on a lot for advice as like kind of a a fellow coach he can commiserate with, bounce ideas off of. So I think that would be kind of a a fun storyline. But ultimately I think if you're the Knights, it would just be so much fun to have a Las Vegas, Nashville hockey series. And it would be so fun to time travel uh, back to like 1990 or whatever, and try to explain a Canadian hockey fan about, what the future of the NHL is going to look like? Because I think their reaction would be priceless. Nash,
2: uh, Vegas, then, Nash Vegas is a good place. And by the way, if it is Knights and then in Jets, I mean the Knights would be confident knowing that even even if the Jets have the series put away, Cody Eakin could always commit a penalty that really ruins it for him. I was
3: just going to say it'd be oh, the Cody Eakin revenge series.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of here for just for that reason. Uh, we got one more question. And this is kind of the big overarching question for the NHL. We've kind of danced around it a bunch because it's all anyone can really think about or talk about it right now. Uh, what would you rather do, guys, if you're the NHL and you're sitting here you know, on April 15th and it still feels like we're no closer to a decision than when play actually stopped uh, a month ago? Are, would you finish the season or would you just punt it at this point and get ready for 2020, uh, 2021? Dave, I'll, I'll start with you.
3: I mean, I'd like to see them hold out as long as they can, which they seem to be doing. If you listen to Gary Batman and what he said, the you know, this week on kind of his media tour and things like, I mean, they seem to be gearing up to play late, you know, late summer, like do that, like August, September thing, you know, kind of have their off season in October, and then squeeze in a full regular season. You know, as it goes along. I mean, with, with the one thing with all of this that I've certainly tried to avoid, and as it's become, you know, a little more politicized and, and all of that, is just I'm not going to play doctor, and and I'm not going to say what you know we should and shouldn't do. I'm going to let the experts, you know, decide all of that. And when it's safe, then yeah, I think we should should do it now. How soon that's going to be? I don't, I don't know, you know. And until we get vaccines and testing, and and everybody can feel secure going back to a practice rink, let alone an arena, and all of that, no, nothing's going to happen. So, if it gets to a point of no return, and none of that is clearly presenting itself, that that's going to be the scenario. That okay, if we wait till this date you know everything is going to be good then yeah you punt and you start the off season and you tell the players get ready for you know whatever and we're going to aim for november but for now i mean i i believe in hope and and i guess you hold out as much hope as you can
1: adam how much hope are you holding out to
2: um a, a very small amount and i think you know i'm all for everything that that we have tried to do in terms of you know limiting gatherings and social distancing and people staying home i'm i'm for all of that stuff and i think it needs to continue far beyond what it, what it's looking like it's going to happen but you know there is that side of me that has always been obsessed with sports that love sports that wants to see sports and if it can be done 100% safely which nothing's ever 100% but if you're confident that you can test all the players all the broadcasters all the officials uh, anybody that would be around and you could find a secure place where nobody goes in or out without being tested uh, I'm 100% for doing something like that and I have a small amount of hope that they'll be able to pull that off
1: yeah so I'm going to kind of piggyback off of that uh, and say, first of all, I like, kind of like what both of you guys are saying, I I really want sports back, especially the last couple of days, because uh, I've been taking some kind of time off the past couple of days. And I've just been kind of trying to find odd jobs around the house to do. I really, really miss sports and want them back as soon as possible. But I keep, you know, thinking in the back of my head when we're talking about all these kind of scenarios as to what a return could like and could they play in neutral sites and, you know, the all the logistics that would have to be involved with all that. Um, You know, I keep thinking of kind of the famous Jeff Goldblum line from Jurassic Park, and I'm stealing this point uh, from the, the Puck Soup podcast. But, you know, Jeff Goldblum's famous line is your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And so, you know, Adam, when I hear people talk about, you know, like, okay, well, we'll just need to test all the players, all the referees, all the coaches, everyone in and around these, uh, you know, teams before and after every game to make sure no one gets infected. I'm just like, is this really ultimately going to be the best use of our resources, you know, a month from now, two months from now? I mean, what have you? Is is this really going to be ultimately worth it to have to, like, try to jump through, you know, a huge, huge number of hoops, it feels like, for the foreseeable future, just to try to get our sports back? Or would it be be better to just kind of take the L, count our losses, and kind of move on. I mean, I'm certainly in the camp, as I think both of you are, of like, feel free to hold out, like, as long as possible. You don't need to tell me, you know, today, tomorrow, in a month from now that it's over. Don't tell me it's over until you officially 100% believe that it's over. It's just in the back of my mind, like I said, thinking of that Jurassic Park quote, I have a hard time believing that ultimately it's not going to be over. but. You know, hey, I'll pull a Dave, hold out hope, and hope I'm wrong.
3: Pull a Dave, there so, we go. I like pull that. Dave, I mean, I,
1: I like it. it's. It's
3: interesting though, just to hear the players because even the players seem to be kind of, you know, you have Dowdy like ah, you know, just end it and whatever. What am I playing for here, basically? And then you've got, you know, other guys that are like, you know, no, let's go. You know, we want to hold out and and we want to award the Stanley Cup and. And we want to play so I mean, there's there's just so many issues and and even Bettman talked about it today on on tv i mean they've got players all over the world that they have to bring back once they decide to get this thing going there's so many just you know little hoops and, and big hoops and logistics to to go through all of this to make it safe and that's the most important thing it's got to be safe and if it's not, then then yeah, you you like like you said, I like that phrase. Ben, you got to take the L.
1: Yeah. So we'll ultimately see what ends up happening. We'll certainly try to keep you updated at reviewjournal.com with all that's happening with the NHL. We'll also keep bringing you whatever uh, Golden Knights content we can. I know I have uh, a article coming out soon on a conversation I had with Rocky Thompson, the Chicago Wolves coach, and kind of their season and how he's feeling now that. It might be, you know, theoretically, he might have coached his last game with Chicago because, of course, the Knights are moving an AHL affiliate to the Las Vegas Valley next season. We will see. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Hopefully, you had fun with this one just like we try to have fun with the podcast last week where we, you know, had a basically fighting racket for the Golden Knights. I thought that was pretty cool. So, make sure to check that out. Rate, review us on iTunes or Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, please. We would really appreciate it. Uh, we also appreciate our sponsor, STN Sports Mobile, from Station Casinos. We also want to thank our presenter, uh, Favor. We thank them both for their support. Uh, for Dave Shane, Adam Hill, I'm Ben Ghost. Thanks so much for listening to the Golden Edge Podcast. We'll talk to you guys again real soon.